Welcome to It Didn't Break Me, a podcast where we have honest and vulnerable conversations around the messy stuff we didn't think we'd come back from, inspiring you to give yourself permission to discover the beauty within the mess and to let go the illusion of perfection. I'm your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes. Hello there and welcome to season two and the first episode of season two to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. I am your host, Bianca Keisha Hughes, and I am so grateful that you are tuning in and you are listening. This season, there are more stories of people sharing their stories of triumph, of transformation, and how they have overcome things they thought would break them and tear them apart. My very first interview for this season already had me just so touched by their story had me you know tearing up so you can only imagine all the other stories and what they're going to be like but just to give you an idea some of the stories are about medical battles going through foster care letting go of religious norms rebuilding your life after the death of your husband at a young age, the power of music for healing, you emotionally living a full life with disability, losing a parent at a young age. Those are some of the things that we are sharing throughout the season. Of course, it's not all of them, but it's just kind of giving you a sneak peek into the stories that people will be sharing this season. I want to say this, and I'm probably going to remind you each week. If you, if there is something that you've experienced that didn't break you, right? You thought it would, but it didn't. And you really want to share what that thing was and how you overcome that. I have a voicemail feature on my website where you can leave a voicemail. I'd love for you to leave a voicemail. Nothing more than two minutes. So something like, I thought that sharing with the world that I had general herpes would break me, but actually it put me in a position to help others who lived in the shame of having genital herpes. So something quick and simple, just leave a voicemail. And what I want to do is I want to share it on the podcast. Um, and it's anonymous. So you, if you want to leave your name, you can, if you don't want to, that's totally fine. And just go ahead. It's on the website on my, it didn't break me website. You'll just see to the right, there's a little button that says leave a voicemail and the website information is in the show notes, but it is, it didn't break me.com. Without further ado, My guest today is Antonio Great. Antonio is a dynamic speaker, educator, minister, husband, and father of four. He currently sits on the board of Shoals CASA, a nonprofit organization that works with volunteer advocates for children who have experienced abuse or neglect. The mission of this organization is dear to his heart because of his own personal experiences growing up in one of the most dangerous neighborhoods in Chicago, his mother's addiction to drugs, living in foster care and other struggles and obstacles as well. 
Through his own personal and dynamic story, he shares strategies that will help at-risk youth, students, and adults alike to win inwardly first and then outwardly. Let's go ahead and tune in. So hello, Antonio, and welcome to the It Didn't Break Me podcast. How you doing? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> tell us, what is something that you thought would break you, but it didn't? Mm. Mm. Wow, you, you come out the gates <laughs> swinging hard. Oh, my yes, goodness. I do. <laughs> when, when the love of my life, uh, my grandmother, Murder's Great, uh, died. Um, from her battle with breast cancer. At that time, I was probably around the age of eight, nine years old. And when that happened, I felt like a piece of me died. Mm. And it was it was a tough, tough period in my life. Um, I had a lot of dark days, a lot of dark nights. I cried a lot. I didn't feel like moving on. I didn't feel like going forward in life. Um, and the word that I will, I will use is that in so many ways I threw in the towel, mm. but you got to understand something. You got to understand the things that preceded that one event. You see, I'm from the inner city of Chicago, the ghetto of Chicago and growing up in this environment, I was, I saw a lot of toxic things. You know, I saw a lot of the drugs and the prostitution and the crime and, and gangs and different things of that nature. And in a very unique way, uh, I was told that my mom was a crackhead. Mm. And in that moment, I felt things and I felt something that I never felt before. Because when this young lady told me that in a, in a way to, to really hurt my feelings, um, she did exactly that. She crushed me. I remember I remember that moment so well. We were just finishing a a football game in the vacant lot. And I remember what we were playing because we were playing tackle. And I was like, man, listen, I'm not trying to get hurt. I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. I'm not going to give my all. And I'm going to let these fools tackle each other, hurt each other, right? I just want to make it out in one piece. So the game <laughs> So the game was over, man, and we were exiting a lot. And I don't know what I said to the young lady, but I must have said something that she didn't like because her response to me was like venom. She said, that's why your mama is a crackhead. Mm. And as we was walking, immediately I stopped. And immediately I began to cry in a way I never cried before. Tears began to just flow out of my eyes and Everybody saw how much pain I was in and she began to apologize and she began to say anything that she could to help me feel better, but it didn't work. It was almost like my heart was broken into a million pieces because I was like, not my mom, not my mother. How old were you? Yeah, I was probably around age of seven at this time. Seven. Okay. Yep. Had you heard this before? Because people say stuff that, you know, we're like, oh, whatever, but like, had you heard this before? What was it that made you stop and feel crushed because it was just something someone said? So I'm kind of curious about that. It, it was it was more than what she said. And it was even more than how she said it. It was because 
in our neighborhood, we will make fun of those individuals who we call drug addicts or crackheads or fiends. We will mm -hmm. make fun of them. And it wasn't a good thing. It was a bad thing. But as a kid, you just looked at that person as somebody else. You never would think that it would happen to you, that it would happen to your family, that it would happen to your mom. Mm. So in that moment, all those thoughts began to run through my head and I just felt so embarrassed and, and crushed. And that's where a lot of that emotion came from because mm. I never thought it could happen to me. So that incident happened that that really shook me. And then I have a quick question. Was your yeah. mom in your life at that time at, at that time? Yes. Yes, okay. she was. Mm -hmm. But was she kind of in and out or was she very present? I would say present, but here, here's a unique situation mm -hmm. is that I was living with my grandparents and my mother lived like a block away. Mm. And I never thought about it and never understood it until that moment. A lot of things started to make sense to me. I, I started to understand why my mother had so much traffic coming in and out of the house. I began to understand why I was living with my grandparents and not my mom. So all these things started to make sense in my everyday mm -hmm. world that I never thought anything about. Mm -hmm. so, so then you fast forward a little bit and I began to realize that my cousin, who I lived with, and my sister both were on drugs. And how old were they? They were, they were much older. They were teenagers, okay. um, young adults. Okay. So... I began to realize how drugs have negatively impacted my family, not just my community. I saw it in my community, but then I began to see it up close and personal in my family. And how it and it did something to me. You know, I thought I was in a sense untouchable. I just didn't think it would happen to me, but it was happening all around me within my family. And then to witness uh, my five-year-old brother get hit by a van mm. while he was trying to hang out with me. And the guilt that I felt behind that, knowing that he was fighting for his life and he spent at least two months in intensive care trying to recover, mm. you know, and then leading up to my grandmother's death, all of those things just was a ripple effect. So when my grandmother left me, it was crushing. And I want to highlight something that you are eight years of age, all this. Yeah like you mentioned, not just the personal stuff, but the stuff you were seeing in your neighborhood that was happening too. And, you know, I often talk about this, but the big part of our development is that age, right? Up until about 10. So I can't even begin to imagine how it impacted your, your development, your sense of self, how you kind of viewed the world. And also that's just trauma in itself is just hard to take in. But the level of trauma that you have, because I want to remind people that there were things that were happening every single day that you saw in your neighborhood. It wasn't just this. Sometimes people feel like it's this one time event, but it's like continuous. Yeah. Like I get why you wanted to throw in the towel. Absolutely. Well said. And when the death of my grandmother happened, what was unique about it was the fact that in that toxic environment, experiencing those various traumas, there was one thing I knew for sure. And I knew that she loved me. Mm. I may have doubted if my dad loved me because he wasn't in the house with me. I may have doubted if my mom loved me because she chose drugs over me. You know, I may have doubted a lot of different things or a lot of people, but I never doubted my grandmother that mm. she loved me. So when that happened, I was like, what now? 
what now? But here's the thing about that situation. And this is why that situation, though I thought it was going to break me, it didn't. And I'm going to tell you how. I got to tell you this part. I want to know why. How? In the midst of the darkness that I was experiencing, somehow a different thought began to penetrate my mind, began to penetrate my thought process. And this thought was this. I remember like it was yesterday. Mm. Antonio, if you give up now, if you throw in the towel now, how are you going to make your grandmother proud? Mm. I don't know what that sounds and feels like to you, but for me, that was the breath of fresh air. Mm. For me, that was the thing that caused me to get up and stand up and yeah. fight another day and go another day and, and to ultimately develop a why for living. Because yeah. when she left, I felt like I didn't have a reason to live. Yeah. But even though she was gone, that thought began to penetrate my heart and my mind. And it gave me a reason to fight. And I began to fight each and every day for her. So, yes, I do understand because my eyes are welling up. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess the image, because, you know, it's always about our images. The image I had of is she's poured all this love into you all this purpose all these words all these these things so I, I even feel like so twofolds that she's pouring this all into you how could I not and then she's pouring into you so that thought can penetrate mm, mm. Does, does that make sense absolutely absolutely there's a you know I learned over the years that there's a strength and a power in love mm, yeah you know so so I I, I can see that. Absolutely. And I have a question. Where was your dad? My dad was also in Chicago, um, okay. but he didn't. I've never lived with him. Okay. Um, okay. I, I was aware of my dad. I have a relationship with him, but it was like he was there, but he wasn't type of relationship. Okay. And you said you live with your grandparents or was this yes. your, and this is your maternal or paternal? Your it was father, my mom. It's my, your mom's, it's my, your mom's it's my mother. Yeah. It's my mother's uh, uh, mother father okay and so your grandfather is Carl, grandfather is still there too yes so I'm curious just real quick even though he was there you still didn't feel like living because she your grandmother was gone I'm curious about the difference between the two um, I was smiling just thinking about it but there are things that that made my grandmother stand out and one thing was among many was the fact that she went to church mm. right she would get up every Sunday and put her all white on her white gloves and white shoes and she would head down the road to the Baptist church that she attended you know and I thought that was always a unique sight to see because she was the only one that would get up and go to church okay um, matter of fact my first church experience as a kid was with her I cried like crazy in the front row you know but nevertheless it was with her she's the reason why I actually wanted to go to church because I saw her and I wanted to see what see what it was all about she was the one that was was selling candy Mm -hmm. at, at church, the Snickers and all those uh, Hershey bars and different things of that nature. She was selling candy. She's the reason why, you know, I was able to go out with candy bars and make a few extra dollars. She was the one that that bought me my uh, Nintendo when they first came out, when it was well over a hundred dollars. You know, she's the one that was baking the cakes and different things for the neighborhood. You know, mm -hmm. so there's just a lot of different things that when I think about my grandmother, she showed her love in so many different ways. And it's just, it was just something unique about that attachment. Even though I spent a lot of time around my grandfather, you know, mm -hmm. watching baseball, he's the reason why I fell in love with baseball. 
and being around him while he's reading his newspaper every morning and different things of that nature. It wasn't that I didn't have a connection with my grandfather, but mm -hmm. it was more so just, I guess, the first time experiencing death mm. from someone that I cared about at such a young age. It just, it, it did something to me. Yeah. Okay. So you get this voice in your head and it's Antonio. How could you not making your grandmother proud? Tell us then what happens from there. A few, a few things happen personally though, and internally it stirred something else up in me. And this is what it stirred up in me because what I realized now that was going on then, honestly, I was losing hope. I was mm -hmm. losing hope. Um, but when that thought penetrated my mind, I went from hopeless to hopeful. Mm -hmm. I, I gained a sense of hope. And with that sense of hope, it, it caused a vigor to take place in me. You know, it stirred up an energy in me that was unique, that was a, a persevering type of energy that, that wouldn't allow me to just lay dormant and, and throw in a towel and give up on things. So it created a fight. It created a confidence in me. Uh, and most important, I want to use this word, it created a why in me. It created a why for living. It created a why for living. And anytime you have a why for living, there's no way hopelessness can begin to take control over you because you know you have a reason to get up and do something each and every day. Whew. Can you repeat that again about why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if I can. <laughs> I would say I'm going to rephrase it. But what really stuck out was that you were just saying is that when you have a why for living, it kind of counteracts, I guess I'm rephrasing. Yeah, no, that's good. It counteracts when you feel hopeless. It's Absolutely. like reminding yourself of your why. And I think about in business, like, you know, like, well, what is my why when I get lost and what am I doing all this social media and what am I doing with my business? What am I doing with my life? You know, the why is definitely like a, a reset. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. And that's what happened. It was a reset, a reset, okay. you know, began and, and and it was a much needed reset. It was a much needed reset because, you know, what I understand now is that what I was dealing with over those years was forms of trauma, mm -hmm. but there was forms of trauma that was never addressed. Mm -hmm. No one was sitting down talking to me about it. No one was helping me process it. No one was helping me understand it. It was just life. And somehow in my young mind, I had to process it as best as I knew how. And that's the thing that I feel like is so critical. Um, even when, you know, I deal with my own kids, I'm always trying to help them process their thoughts, process their emotions to just kind of help them better handle the various situations that they're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's always interesting. The things that we didn't have, we tend to give to others or to our children. So it's Absolutely. so interesting you say that. You know, your grandmother passed away. Who took care of you? Because I know you have mentioned being in foster care and you read yeah. this T-shirt um, yeah. uh, for those who are listening and, and can't really see this or everyone really. But uh, <laughs> it says ex-foster child. Um, so tell us a bit about that that journey for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not long after my grandmother died, my grandfather comes to me and tells me I need to pack up my things because I'm going to live somewhere else. And I'm thinking to myself, what do you mean live somewhere else? I want to stay right here, mm -hmm. you know, but without explanation, I go live with my grandmother's sister okay. and her family. 
at the time I didn't understand this, but now I understand it better. It was decision. It was a decision that was made because they understood that my grandmother was fighting breast cancer, and they understood that she might not make it, and it was her wish for them to take me in, right? Okay. So now, after this traumatic experience, not long after, I'm going to live with people that I didn't even know, though they were family, I didn't know them. So yeah. now I'm living with people that didn't that I didn't know, and people that didn't know me. So now I have all these questions that I'm asking. Why am I not with my dad? You know, why didn't my dad take me in? Why am I not with my mom? Why didn't my mom come to the rescue? Why am I not with the family that I always known? Why do I have to go live with strangers? And now I'm going to different schools. Now I'm living in a new community and different things of that nature. And that was traumatized within itself because I lost my grandmother. Now it's like I lost my whole family and now I'm all by myself. I cried so much, so many nights that I literally was crying for my grandmother. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm saying things like, why did you have to leave me? Why did you have to go? Why couldn't you still be here? You know, because I'm trying to process this hurt and this pain that I'm dealing with. And that was challenging. That was very, very challenging. And if you fast forward a little bit, having to navigate that process, eventually I go move back with my mom. And at this point in time, I'm like maybe a freshman in high school. When you I went back to go back to live with her. That I, I went back to live with my mom um, because things just really wasn't working out with, with, the, with the placement that I was in. Is this with your um, aunt, with your yep. aunt and stuff? Okay. Yep, exactly. So things really wasn't working out. And I went back to live with my mom. And initially it was with my grandfather I went back to live with. And some things happened with, within, that, within that situation, meaning he got to the point where he didn't have running water anymore, you know? Oh. Um, and we endured that for a period of time. But after a while, he made the decision for me to go stay with my mom. So I went to go stay with my mom. And that was okay, but that was kind of crazy still too. But I remember the point where I officially, officially went into the foster care system. And that is when my mother gave birth uh, to my baby sister. Mm -hmm. And upon um, her giving birth, drugs was found in my baby sister's system. Mm, yeah, she was, she was born with some deficiencies and immediately um, the state got involved in our family. Yeah. And it was at, it was at that point where I officially, officially entered into the foster care system. And now I was moving again. Um, mm. But I was moving with my grandfather, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't a complete stranger, but of course he's older now. He's up in age, you know, and, and he wasn't able to do much. He was able to do a little bit, but not much. And eventually he died from lung cancer. Whoa. So, at what age and in what age were you? I was a junior. I was a junior in high school at this point. He, he went he went through the stages of fighting lung cancer in a hospital most of the time, different things of that nature, me visiting him, me going to school, me trying to handle the responsibilities around the house, juggling all of that, sports and, and other responsibilities that I've had. And then eventually he passed away. Wow. And once again. So I have a question. So the reason why you went back to your were able to go was because of the foster care and the money that he got from the foster care to take care of you. Is that correct? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. Right. Just in because, case anyone was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Because for those who are not familiar with the foster care system, one thing 
that they always try to do initially when they have to place the child somewhere, they always try to place the child with family members first, yeah. uh, which is often called kinship care. Um, that's that's what they try to do first if there's someone that they could place the child with. So that's one of the main reasons why I ended back up with my grandfather. Okay. Um, so he was able to support me with the money that was coming in and things of that nature. So now your grandfather passes away of lung cancer. You're a junior. Yeah. What happens in in um, in high school? You're shaking your head. I'm shaking my head because I'm like, what does happen next? Mm. I didn't know. You know, um, I knew I couldn't go back to my mom. Um, I never lived with my dad. And to me, going back to my aunt and uncles wasn't an option either because that situation didn't work out. So I didn't know what was next. I had no idea. So a lot of different things was going through my head at that particular point in time. And in a sense, you know, I felt like, oh, this is all happening over again, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah. and, you know, not trying to get emotional, but, you know, moving around, um, being unstable is not healthy for, for a child and having to adjust to a lot of different changes, a lot of different environments is challenging. So I didn't know what was going to happen next, but by the grace of God, uh, one of my elementary friends who I was still friends with in high school, mm-hmm. his mom got word of my situation. She took me in, she opened up her home to me and it was such a blessing because it allowed me to, to finish out my last two years of high school, which was desperately needed because I, I don't, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I'm, thank, I'm thankful that, that she did that and she was willing to do that for me. So, because you mentioned that you didn't process any of the trauma. So even though you were under the state, they still didn't give you any form of counseling or therapy, anything like that? Wow. Nope. Okay. None of that. And you know, I, and, and what's unique about the situation when I think about it is, yes, they, they could have potentially, you know, gave me some type of assistance, some type of counseling or seeing a therapist and things of that nature. But before I entered into the system, they wasn't even probably thinking or aware of the things that I've been through prior Mm to. Okay. You know, and then because I am in high school, you know, they may be viewing me a different way. You know, they may be saying, okay, Antonio seems to have it together. Antonio seems to be doing well, you know, so I think Antonio is good. He doesn't need these extra services. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And and the truth of the matter is, I wasn't a problem. You know, I I wasn't a problem in school and in society and things of that nature. But that doesn't mean internally I didn't have problems. That doesn't mean internally I didn't have issues. That doesn't mean internally I wasn't fighting mentally to keep it together and, and to move forward in life and to understand everything that was happening around me. I had issues, but they wasn't internally. They just didn't really show outwardly. I'm so glad that you you touched on that, right? Because that is the case for many people. And I can totally relate to that. And mm-hmm. I was actually having a conversation with a friend of mine. Um, they were talking about their daughter who's older. And I was like, you know, she's, she's like, well, I don't have to worry about, you know, she's fine. She's this. I said, but she's fine on the outside, but is she okay on the inside? And she kind of looked at me and she was like thinking, she's like, I never thought about that. I said, she might not be emotionally okay but she's responsible she can do all these things but her emotions are going all over the place and unfortunately if you have it together so-called in quotation marks or you're you're functioning it you're never really you're never considered that something is going on in the inside and and I think that's also a testament to us to you who is listening 
that you really have to speak up if you're struggling inside. People are not going to know, especially if you're very functional. And so I, I appreciate you admitting that and sharing that. So kind of tell us, how did you kind of, you know, what help have you received and, you know, how have you kind of overcome and worked through that to where you are today? <laughs> Whew, that's a... A brief um, synopsis. A... <laughs> 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 you should have... <laughs> Your face was like, what? How do I... <laughs> Absolutely. We're going to definitely have to uh, do a brief <laughs> synopsis on that one. Um, the, the first thing I want to say is it was a process. Um, it was a process and, you know, me being a speaker and me speaking in the arena of, um, of foster care, the, the one thing that I, I try to focus on is challenging those current and even former foster, uh, children to, to focus internally first, you know, to focus on what's going on the inside of them first. And the thing that helped me was the fact that that's literally what I did. You know, I was like in so many ways, my own counselor, you know, I was in so many ways like my own psychiatrist because I didn't try to run away from the pain. I didn't try to hide the hurt. I didn't try to necessarily cover it up to the point to where I felt if I felt like if I didn't think about it, it would go away. Why One not? Thing, Why didn't you do that? Because a lot of people do. To be honest, I think I just want to say it's just something that, that God put in me, mm. you know, because no one taught me that, you know, you know, no one gave me the skill on that. It was something that I simply just did. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't run from it, I confronted it. And by confronting it over a period of time, what I realized is that I got over it. It didn't conquer me. I began to conquer it. I began to get over it. And I began to walk on top of it. Because what I realized is now is that when you run from things, when you try to hide it, what happens is it begins to walk on top of you instead of you walking on top of it. So so the, the, the issue with my mom, I had to process that. I had to try to understand that. I had to try to just deal with my own emotions when it came to that. And at some point, no, I didn't like it. And I never accepted it, but I just understood that was my reality. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then by understanding that that was my reality, in spite of the neglect that I experienced because of her decision, how would I treat her? How did I want my relationship with her to be? You know, and I did some soul searching, for example, and I've always talked to my mom. I will, mm-hmm. I will visit her. You know, I always kept a relationship with her. It might not have been frequently, but it was always a relationship there that I kept with her. And I did that because I chose to do that. Mm. You know, I chose to do that. And she was open and she was willing, which also helped. But I chose to do that in spite of everything that I experienced um, from her decisions. So I confronted. And then also there's various things that happen that causes you to have to confront things certain ways. So forgiveness was a big thing, mm-hmm. right? Forgiveness was a big thing. And eventually I got to the point to where I was able to forgive 
the the hurt and pain that was caused to me by someone else, by my parents and different things of that nature. And the reason why that was so big is because what I learned is that when I was able to forgive, it was like a big weight was lifted off of me. How are you defining forgiveness? And, you know, what does that look like for you? Because some people are like, well, if I forgive them, does that mean it's okay? You know, because a lot of people hold on because they don't want to forgive because of what in their mind it means. So I'm kind of curious of what that means and looks like for you. What I learned is um, before I got to the place of forgiveness, I could think about a person and it would cause me to feel a negative way. Okay. It would cause me to feel a negative way. But what I also learned is that when I would feel a negative way, it began to hurt me. It's almost like I was reliving the pain over again. Years later, mm-hmm. I was still reliving the pain over again and it was negatively hurting me. And you know what? I didn't want to hurt it anymore. Mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to feel this pain anymore. And I made a decision to forgive. Not I'm, I didn't forget, you know, I didn't forget what happened to me, but at the same time. I, the conscious decision I made in forgiving them was saying that, yes, this happened. I can't change it, but you know what? I want to move on. I, I, I want to grow. I, I want to be better. And I don't want to continue to feel this hurt and this pain that has happened several years ago. And by forgiving them, what I realized is it wasn't the forgiveness didn't happen for them. It happened for me. Mm. The forgiveness was for me so that that weight that I was feeling and the burden that I was carrying because of what had happened to me in the past could be removed. Okay. Okay. And then, you know, it was just a whole different ball game when that happened. Oh wow. man, it was, it was, it was like another reset. <laughs> <laughs> so we got you confronted, forgiveness. Was there anything else involved in that process to, to get you to where you kind of are today? I'm sure it was, but those are two of the things that, that definitely come to mind. But I'll also say this too, talking about things mm. helped. Um, talking about things definitely helped. Um, identifying uh, constructive coping mechanisms was huge. Okay. Um, and you know, that was, at times I was found through music. At times I was found through talking to a certain individual, a coach, a teacher, a, a trusting friend. Um, sometimes the coping mechanism was fine through art and various things, exercising, um, all of those things I've used over the years through my journey to get to a place that I would like to call healing. Mm. You know, so as as I share my story and as I'm sharing my story with you right now, the one thing I can confidently say is that I'm at a place of healing. Like I'm not speaking from a place of hurt. I'm not speaking from a place of pain. I'm really speaking from a place of healing, which is my motivation and why I go back to to those who are in foster care. I go back to those individuals that are in in that demographics because of the healing and the wholeness that I have experienced to this place. Because I want to speak to them from that place to let them know that, yes, you may be experiencing brokenness in your life, but I want to tell you that you can experience wholeness, but I want you to know that it starts from the inside out, right? It starts Mm -hmm. from the inside out. I want you to begin to 
understand and address those things that are going on internally with you because when you begin to address that you begin to heal over a matter of time and then you'll look up and you'll be whole and you can begin to affect the environment and those things around you because what i learned is is that i didn't have any control over the environment that i grew up in no i didn't have any control over over the family that i was born into no and as a youth, you have very little control over who you live with, who you don't live with, and any any of those things you have little to no control over. But yeah. what I do know is that you have a unique control and ability to deal with what's going on inside of you. Mm. And that was the control that I did have. And that was the area in which I tend to focus on most of my life and even now. Wow. That's so powerful because uh, I do this little thing sometimes with my clients and I help them understand. I always help them under identify, okay, and even myself, right, is what's in my control and what's out of my control. And I feel like when we can recognize what we can and can't control, we can like, okay, well, I can't do anything about this, but I can do something about this. And it kind of, like you were saying, it kind of gives that kind of hope and, and, and that momentum. So I know you wrote this book, the book is called The Power of One. And you specifically wrote it for like the guardians um, and mm -hmm. who are um, in who are foster carers, correct? That's correct. Yes. In this book, like from your own experience, I'm sure that's why you wrote it. But what kind Absolutely. of said, OK, I have to write this book because for me, I experienced this and they need to know. Take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> they. They, they just, I think they need to be reminded of how important and how critical it is for that foster child that's coming into their home to, to have a, a successful experience. It's critical. It, it, it's, it's so critical because when that foster child comes into that home, they are already bringing a baggage of trauma with them. Mm. It, it's automatic. If, if they hadn't experienced some form of trauma, they wouldn't even be there. They would, you know, you wouldn't need to even open up your doors to them, but trauma is automatically there. And mm -hmm. the thing I would like, the thing I try to remind the guardians, the foster parents, the adoptive parents is that try to be proactive, you know, and, and some of the things that you're doing to try to help with a smoother transition. There's a, there's a chapter in the book that I love where I talk about, you know, trying to identify beforehand trigger words, mm. trying to identify beforehand words that could potentially be triggers for this child that's coming in. And one way that you be proactive is you can write a list. You can write a list of, of potential words because the thing about it is the foster child oftentimes is not going to know everything about the child. You know, they might get a snippet, right? They might get a snippet of, of, of information about the child. But at the same time, if you have individuals who's living with you, Include those individuals in the process. And when a child enters into your home, now you sit down and include that child in the process. Mm. Because psychologically, what you're telling that child is, we care about you. And you have a voice in this home. You know, we care about you and you have a voice. We care about you and you have a voice. We care about you and you have a voice. Can you imagine how empowering and impactful that is for a child that's coming into a brand new environment. You know, so that's just one simple example that I give among many uh, throughout the book, because I just think about my lived experiences and some of the challenges that I faced 
And I feel like, you know, if some things were done differently, it could have helped me tremendously just process the things that I was going through at that particular point in time. We care about you and you have a voice and someone who always didn't feel like I had a voice. I think that's probably why it hits, but I can also imagine me saying that to myself, I care about me and I have a voice. That's good. (laughs) I love that. Everyone, you have a new affirmation. (laughs) I care about me and I have a voice. I care about me and I have a voice. I love it. (laughs) You know, I can talk to you all day. Clearly you're a great storyteller. But um, what is something that you would, if there is anything, because you said a lot, that you really want to leave people with? And if, if there's nothing, it's totally fine. Mm, mm, oh, man, it's, it's, really, it's really a lot that I would like to leave with the people. But I, I'm, I'm going to share this because of something that recently happened to me. And this is how I would like to say it. Sometimes you don't realize how much help you need until you get it. Sometimes you do not realize how much help you need until you get it. And the reason why I said that is because of my recent experience over the past couple of weeks, emotionally, mentally, roller coaster ride, up and down, up and down, to the point to where I'm looking at myself, thinking less of myself. I'm thinking that I'm incapable of doing certain things. Um, I'm questioning my value. I'm questioning my worth. Emotions just all over the place. And through recent conversations, I received help, right? Mm-hmm. You know, strategically creating a circle of individuals that, that you trust, that you feel have wisdom and your best interest in mind is so important and so huge. Um, and in those unique moments, I received help. And by receiving help, I feel better. Mm-hmm. But the thing I wanna say is, is that I could have attempted to continue to process all those things on my own. And who knows how long I would have continued on that hamster wheel. I could still potentially be on that hamster wheel, trying to process things on my own. But I'm thankful that I've learned over the years that you're stronger together. (laughs) You're stronger (laughs) together with a supporting cast. And I just want to tell the audience that sometimes you don't realize how much you need help until you get it. Don't be afraid to be transparent. Don't be afraid to open up. Don't be afraid to talk about, you know, the goods that the good things that you may be experiencing or the negative things that you may be experiencing because talking and expressing is a unique way of releasing. Sometimes we hold on things way too long and I just want to encourage your listeners to release it, to let it go. Get that thing out of you. Get that thing off of you so that you can become the best version of yourself. I don't have anything else to say. Thank you. (laughs) So two more questions. That was just, I hope everyone, I hope you heard that. Like, I hope you heard that. Release, let go. I mean, you know, definitely the, you don't know how much help um, you need until you get it. I have definitely experienced that. And that's not even, that could just be in your everyday life. I didn't know how much a cleaner would help me until I got a cleaner. I was like, oof, what have I been doing my whole life? (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I had just written in my recent newsletter how important my uh, personal trainer was until I tried to work out by myself. (laughs) I was like, this is not working. So I totally relate. 
So one question I always like to ask is what is something messy in your life? Um, And it could be something physical, emotional or whatever it is. Wow. Um, I mean, I really, you know, I I really just touched on it, you know, in the more immediate point um, was just the fact that, you know, the past couple of weeks, it was a fight, you know, and it was more of a mental fight. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's crazy because you could do so much good, but at the same time, you can allow a negative thought or a negative experience enter into your mind and you begin to focus on that. You begin to dwell on that thing begins to beat you up, you know, and, and, and try to take you out in a sense. So that, that, that's the part that, you know, even to this day that, I, that, I, that I'm still working through, um, trying to become stronger and wiser in it. But it's a process. But what I've learned is, as long as you're living, you're going to be hit with things, right? Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. But the thing that you don't want to ever do is to not try, mm. you know, to not try. Like, it, it may sound cliche but you can honestly make a conscious decision to not try. You can honestly make a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to put forth the effort today. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to, I guess you could say, fight today. Mm-hmm. And you can allow your thoughts, your emotions, your situations to get the best of you. But I, I'm a fighter, man. I done came too far. You know, I done been through hey. too much to throw in a towel. And what I'm realizing is, the, the, and I'm talking about recently, what I realize is the fight has come to buffet me because it understands that if it could take me out, then it could stop me from speaking and reaching those who I'm called to speak and reach. Yeah. And, and I'm fighting not just for me, but I'm fighting for my family. I'm not just fighting for my family, but I'm fighting for that person that needs to hear Antonio's voice. I'm fighting for that person who is literally waiting for me to show up and speak something to them in their life that can that can change it and, and reset it and catapult it to a whole nother level into a whole nother dimension. So I'm fighting for all those reasons. So I ain't giving up. I ain't throwing mm-hmm. it in the towel, man. Nuh-uh, I ain't doing it. <laughs> well, I am very thankful you're not throwing in the towel. I am thankful that you have worked through that mental challenges so that you are here today. Um, yeah. Because, you know, one of the reasons that I do this podcast is because to let people know they're not alone. And like you said, there is someone who needs to hear this. So, you know, even if it's not you who's listening individually, there is someone, you know, that you can share this with. So that's why I kind of do that. So thank you. So last question, Um, where can people find you to shower you with love? Ah, okay. That's good. That's good. A few different places. Uh, my website is one place to start. That's www.antoniogreat.com. And that's Antonio Great, G-R-A-T as in Tom, E as in elephant. Um, also, you can find me on IG, Instagram, at Antonio D as in David Great. Uh, on Facebook, Antonio Great. Uh, and you know, a little bit of YouTube to look me up on YouTube. I got a few, you know, I got a few videos on YouTube, but, um, I would, I would start there with my website. It has a lot of my links, uh, there that would, that would take you to my social media sites and stuff like that. And, uh, shoot me a friend request, drop me a DM, whatever you want to say, man. And, uh, and let's build a relationship. Okay. Thank you. And don't forget, he has a book. Oh, <laughs> the power of one for those who are caregivers um, to foster children. Um, so don't forget that. So, yeah, yeah. 
And, and one, one thing, I, one thing I would like to add though, with the power of one, of course, I'm speaking to foster parents and guardians, but I'm also speaking to foster children. And and how and how I'm speaking to foster children is really in a, in an in depth way. It's, telling my story you know telling my innermost thoughts and feelings and emotions and what i was dealing with and how i got past them you know so so it's like a memoir or something like the autobiography i don't know what's the right word to use but <laughs> it's, it's it's the story of my young life right uh, and the challenges and the trauma and different things i experienced but how i processed it and in the in, and at the same time I'm trying to uh, give share the tips and the tools to the foster parents to help them along the way. Um, and with the feedback that I've been getting, it's tools in there that parents in general are taking away from it, you know, and, and applying to their everyday life. So it, it can speak to a lot of different people, but um, I think it's I think it can be very helpful, especially if you you know you have a child that's in foster care or come from a broken home or whatever the case may be. I think it I think a lot of good nuggets can be taken away from it. Okay, well, thank you so much. Well, it has been a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and Antonio, you are just amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Bianca, so much. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm so grateful to uh, be a part of your podcast. Thank you. Oh my gosh, did you hear that? Like, did you really hear his story? Did you hear what he said? Because I did. And he said a lot. Antonio said a lot. So I hope that you were able to take away, you know, after I was talking to him, he was like, oh my gosh, I should have been taking notes. Like, but you know, that's always the great thing about podcasts. You can go back and listen to it again. And so I definitely encourage you to listen to this again because it was so, so, so good. My takeaways from this episode, we care about you and you have a voice. I loved how he said it over and over and over again. And they just, they made me teary. We care about you and you have a voice. And so I just really value that. You know, I said we can also change it to, I care about me and I have a voice to make it powerful. But those words are so powerful. Like he was saying, you know, with children, not just with foster children, but with any children. I mean, anyone you're in a relationship with, um, you can even, you know, just say, I care about you and you have a voice. So powerful. The other thing that really struck me is when he also talked about that children going into foster care, they are already with trauma and you have to go in there and you know, kind of know, and, you know, of course, you know, it really helps to, or important, shall I say, to be trauma informed, because this child is already bringing in trauma, just the trauma of having to, you know, leave their caregivers and go into foster care. The other thing I liked is, you know, when he talks about forgiveness, is that he paid attention to how much he hurt in his body when he thought about the person he hadn't forgiven and that hurt that he felt 
the, the, the response that he had in his body is what made him make the decision to forgive. Not because what that person did was okay, but he actually felt how much it was hurting him. My last takeaway is he said, sometimes when we get help, we didn't even know we needed the help. I think that's so powerful. You know, I gave the example of, yeah, I didn't know how great it was when I had a cleaner, but I don't know about you, but that made a big change. And I'm sure there's something that you can think of that you had help with and you didn't realize you really needed the help. So those are my takeaways. I would love to hear your takeaways. Remember as always, share this with a friend, with a colleague, send it in a text messages. You don't even have to send this on social media. You know, people are more likely to really take this in if you just share it in a group text or a personal Facebook group, or, you know, like I said, a text message, but share this, listen to it. You know, you can listen to this and share this. There's someone that really needs to hear this message. Like he was saying, he fought his battles to share his story because there's someone that needs to hear it. So thank you again for listening to the podcast. I really do appreciate you, you know, and if you do share this on social media, I love sharing it. I love reading your reviews. It means a lot to me and you help me keep me going. So thank you. Were you inspired by this story? Here are some ways you can shower me and the podcast with your appreciation and support. Follow, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast platform. Share the podcast via text with your people, with your tribe. Subscribe to the newsletter where I share my personal stories of discovering the beauty within the mess. And lastly, Follow me on Instagram at AuthenticallyBU for tips and insights on overcoming perfectionism so you can embrace your imperfections and authentically be you. Thank you so much for listening to the It Didn't Break Me podcast and remember to discover the beauty within the mess.